0: So Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse number 5, we'll be reading down through verse number 13. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, is a city uh, in, in northern Israel. When Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. Then Jesus heard it, when Jesus heard it, he marveled and said, Uh, To them that followed, verily I say unto you, there would have been a crowd following him. Verily I say unto you, I have found, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. Which would have been very offensive to hear that, since they were all Jews and faith was their life. It would have been very offensive for them to hear that. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and the west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. We'll get to what that means here in a little bit. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, go thy way. And as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in that self-same hour. So we're taking the month of January to talk about mountain-moving faith. What does it look like? What does it do? How do we get mountain-moving faith? And before you think, well, mountain-moving faith—that sounds so big—I can never have mountain-moving faith as a Christian. I'm a new Christian, or I just—that's not me. I, I can't have mountain-moving faith. But before you think I can't have mountain-moving faith, Jesus says, Matthew chapter 17, verse number 20: If you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, then you can say to that mountain, move, and it will move. So if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you have mountain-moving faith. Mustard seed faith equals mountain-moving faith, and that's something that we all can have. So the question is, how do we get that mustard seed size faith, and what does this do and look like in our life? What does mountain-moving faith look like in our life? And and, and just so so you're on the same page with me, mountain-moving faith is something we all want. We may not think it, but that's what we all want. We all want mountain-moving faith. We all wish we had faith that we could move a mountain. If you, imagine, imagine with me this morning if you had a faith that could change your destiny. Imagine if you had mountain-moving faith. Imagine if you had a faith that could change your destiny. Imagine if you had faith that, so that you could uh, energize uh, your life. Imagine if you had faith that allowed you to chase your dreams. Imagine if you had faith that allowed you to overcome all things. That would be pretty cool to have. A, a faith so that you could overcome all things in your life. A faith so that you could energize your life without having to have things in your life. A faith that, a faith that you could chase your dreams, you had the strength to chase your dreams. That's mountain moving faith. That's what this kind of faith we're talking about. the next four weeks, that's what we're talking about. This is what we'll be talking about for the next four weeks, leading up to our anniversary Sunday, which I hope you guys are excited about. But today, we're looking at the story of a very unlikely, unlikely person, a Roman centurion Roman centurion is is really the the main protagonist of the story in Matthew chapter 8. During the time that Jesus was on earth, obviously you guys probably know that that Israel was under the rule of the Roman Empire. They were a conquered nation. They were a conquered people. And the Roman Empire uh, had a military presence in Israel at this time. Still, after all these years of being conquered people, they still had a military presence in there because it was a very volatile nation. It's a very volatile people. Uh, Every so often there would be, I think I've said this before, there would be insurrections and revolts in Israel. And so they always had the Roman that so always had uh, a, a military presence in that area, in that region. And to keep the peace and to keep uh, uh, that, that, the, 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 the people down, so to speak, they would have these centurions come. And centurions were captains of the Roman army. Centurions were captains over uh, 100 men what so they were a hundred men, and these were these were not dudes you wanted to mess with. Centurions were they were some mean hombres. These guys were tough dudes. These guys were captains over a hundred men. They had to become uh, in order to become a centurion. Most of the time, they had to spend fifteen to twenty years in military service before they could get promoted to being a centurion. When these centurions led their men into battle, they weren't at the back of the the army leading their men into battle. They were literally standing at the front line leading their men into battle. These centurions that's what these guys were like. They were very, very, uh, they were very, very tough, tough guys. And so they were very feared and they were hated among the Jews because they were a symbol of Roman strength. And they were a symbol of not just Roman strength, but a symbol of Roman power in uh, their area. And so these were, these were, you didn't talk to these guys. If you were an Israelite, if you were a Jew in this, in this time, you did not want to talk to these guys. You didn't want to look at them. You didn't want to have any run-ins with these kinds of guys. So Jesus is traveling through the city of Capernaum in a man. Starts to run up to Jesus, to race up to Jesus, and it's not just any old man. This is a centurion, a guy that's been rough. This guy has seen, this guy's battle hard, and This guy has seen it all. He runs up to Jesus, and you can imagine the people around Jesus are probably worried because this guy, this centurion, probably had people behind him. He probably had people that were waiting on him, and he he comes up to Jesus with his entourage, no doubt. And uh, as Jesus and the people around Jesus are probably getting worried, and Jesus he says uh, he says, "What's up?" No, he didn't say what's up, but he, he, you know they have this conversation. And the centurion comes up to Jesus, and this is what he says, verse number five. And when Jesus was entering the Capernaum, there came, a, uh, came into him a centurion beseeching him. So you have this centurion, battle-hardened guy tough dude. Don't want to mess with this guy. Nobody wants to mess with this guy. He comes up to Jesus and you would think that he would say to Jesus, this is what I want. This is what you need to do. This is what you need to give me. And this is how it's going to be. But he doesn't do that. He comes up to Jesus and he beseeches him. You know what that means? It means he begs him. Literally means to beg or to entreat someone. He comes up to him, begs him. So why does, why does he approach Jesus like this? Verse number six. And saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. The centurion, the centurion came to Jesus because he had a servant at his house who was stricken with palsy, which was a type of paralysis, a debilitating type of paralysis. Obviously back then, they didn't have any treatment for it. They had no treatment for it back then. And so this is, this is the debilitating uh, disease, debilitating uh, symptom that he had is this palsy. And you remember there's another story uh, of Jesus where he's talking and he's in this room and uh, these people wanted to get to Jesus to, to, to be healed by Jesus. And so they take their friend who had palsy means he was paralyzed, and they sent him in through the roof so Jesus could heal him. That's what this guy is. This is what he's suffering from, palsy, paralysis. So he presented Jesus with this situation. He says to Jesus, I have a servant. He's a servant that I love. He's a servant that I treasure. He's a servant that I value in my household. Jesus, he is debilitated with this paralysis, with this uh, this palsy. And look at what happens in verse number seven. And saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. You notice, you notice how this goes here? So you would think this centurion is able to ask the question, Jesus, will you heal my servant? But that's not what happens here. See that? He never gets to ask Jesus, can you heal my servant? Why? Because Jesus beats him to the punch he says he says he comes to Jesus he says I have this servant that's sick of the palsy and before he can even ask the question Jesus will you come heal this man Jesus says I will come heal him before he can even get the question out Jesus says I'm going to come to him I love this once Jesus saw that the centurion wanted help Jesus couldn't help quick enough he couldn't even get the question out before Jesus said I'll come and heal him don't worry about it it's taken care of I'll come right now He couldn't even ask the question before Jesus is so eager to help this man. He's so eager to come up to the centurion because he sees the faith of the centurion. He doesn't even get the question out before Jesus says it's already taken care of. Don't worry about it. I will come and heal him. You know what this tells me? Right at the beginning, right at the beginning, we need to understand that God wants to engage and be an active part in your life this year. God wants to engage in your life. He doesn't want to be a spectator on the sidelines of your life. He wants to be the star player in your life. He wants to be the most valuable player in your life. God is itching to be a part of your life. He wants to be the one who guides and leads you to a life well done. You see, this is what this, this whole thing is about is that God wants to, he is itching to be a part of our life. He's itching to interject himself into our life. He wants to be in your life. He wants to be in my life this morning. You ever, you ever watched a basketball game or you've been in, you played basketball as a kid or maybe you played some sport and you saw that there was a kid that was, he was on the, he was on the bench and he knew know he wanted to be in the game. He just he was dying to be in the game. And so what does that kid in the bench do? He starts to, he moves, he, he, maybe he's at the very end of the line over here on the bench and the, the coach is over here, the game's, the game's being played, the coach is over here and every once in a while you see him trying to scoot up, this, this is what I used to do, this is how I know, I was always on the bench when I was a kid, I start to scoot up, so just because I wanted to play, you know, I want to scoot up, every time the coach would, would look this way, you know, I would like, I'd move right here, because I, I want to get in the game, I want the coach to look at me and be like, I want to go in. You know, it never happened, obviously, until there was nobody else on the team that could play besides me. And so the coach, I want, I want to be right in front of the coach. I want to be like, hey, coach, need any help? Hey, coach, he really messed up, didn't he? I want to be put in. You should get him out of here. You know? So th- th- this is what I want to get. Re- That's what Jesus is like. Jesus is saying, there, there's this game that's going on. It's called your life. There's, there, you're on the journey of your life. And Jesus is saying, hey, I want to be put in. I want to be a part of your life. I want you to be. I want you to sub me in. If you can't handle it, I can handle it. If there's something that you can't handle, I can get in. I can do it a lot better than you can. I want to be a part of your life. He just needs someone to have faith in him so that we can say, Jesus, you can be a part of my life. Jesus is the one who can make a difference in your life. And he's waiting to interject himself into your day, into your life. God is waiting to be a part of the decision.'" decisions that you make. What part of your life needs faith? Is it your family? Is it your finances? Is it your job? Is it your workplace? Is it your is it the, the, the home life? Faith, faith opens the door to God, for God to step into your life and to be a part of your life. And you see this throughout time, God has interjected himself uh, into mankind. He's interjected himself into people's lives, uh, from Noah to Abraham to Moses uh, to the birth of Jesus that we just talked about a couple weeks ago, to the crucifixion of Jesus, to the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus and God have been trying to interject themselves. He is deeply interested in your life. He's deeply interested. He's deeply intrigued in your life. He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to be interjected into your life. All throughout time, God has been doing this, and he is doing it still in our lives on a daily and a weekly basis, wanting to interject himself into your life. You see this, Romans chapter, it's such a great verse. We should memorize this verse. For I am persuaded, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor Any other creature, nothing can separate us from the love of God who is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is nothing that can separate you from Jesus Christ. So Jesus is saying, since nothing can separate us, let me be a part of your life. Interject me into your life. Jesus said that nothing can separate me from you. He's waiting for us to trust in what he can do in our life. He's waiting on the edge of the throne of heaven for us to say, okay God, I need your help now. He's waiting on the edge of the throne of heaven for us to say, okay, God, this is, this is the part of my life that I want to give to you, that I want you to interject into, uh, that I want you to be a part of my life. That, like the centurion, he's waiting. Jesus, he's, he's, he's can't wait to say, I'll, I'll come and heal. I'll come and help. I'll come and be a part of that. He's waiting to be a part. That's all he needs. He's looking for any excuse to sub himself into your life. It is faith that unleashes the activity of God in your life. It's faith that unleashes the activity of God in your life. It's faith that will allow God to work in your life. Jesus wants to interject himself into your life because he's deeply interested in you. He has proven this through Jesus Christ. He's deeply interested in you. So these, a couple of weeks ago, we were with my, my wife's family for Christmas. And, and uh, much of them, many of them I have never met before. This is on my, uh, on my wife's sister's uh, husband's side. So the bottom line is I never met a lot of the family before. And so we're staying at their house never been there before and we meet some of their family not her family but the, her in-law's family or sister in the, some of the family on the far end I don't even know how it goes anymore some family some distant relative something. we meet a lot of their family and we're staying there for the evening stay there for a couple days and so we start to meet all the, all the little kids and we're starting to meet all the family we're starting to meet everybody and this is in South Carolina so everybody everyone's just all packed in this one little house you know and so we go to, we go to mean a man to go to sleep that night. And, you know, we're away from everybody in our own room. Everybody's locked. Everybody's out. You know, they're, they're doing their own thing. It's late in the evening. And the next morning is Christmas morning. And, and one of the particular individuals that we met was this little little boy. He was the son of one of the family members. And uh, he, he just, he loved, he loved chatting it up with everybody. But I had never met this kid before. I'd never, I didn't know this kid from Adam, you know. So that Christmas morning, we're in bed. I'm asleep. Yeah, you know, that barely got a couple hours of sleep, time difference, all that. I, I'm asleep in bed. All of a sudden, I the, the door opens up. The door's kicked the door's not kicked open, but the door opens up, and this little kid, hey, it's Christmas. <laughs> you guys, we need to open presents now. <laughs> so it's like, oh, you're stumbling out of bed. I had not known this kid from Adam 24 hours previous. And now he's busting up into the door, into our room, and he's telling us we need to get out because we need to open presents with him. That's what Jesus is trying to tell us this morning. He wants to come into your life. He wants to open the door of your life and to say, I want you to be with me. I want to be with you. I want to be a part of your life. I want to interject myself into your life. Just like the story of the centurion, Jesus is eager to change people's lives. Jesus changes people's lives. Jesus is in the business of changing people's lives. Jesus is eager to change people's lives. Now look at how the story progresses. This is interesting, Matthew chapter 8, verse number 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. So he tells Jesus, I respect and I appreciate that you want to come over, but you're not worthy to, or I'm not worthy that you could come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. So he says, all you got to do is say the word. That's my faith. My faith in you is all you have to do is say the word from here, and I believe my servant will be healed. And there's a lot we could talk about on that. I wish we had time for that, but we don't. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, go, and he goeth. And to another, come, and he cometh. And to my servant, do this, and he doeth it. So the centurion gives an amazing display of faith. A display of faith that nobody else, this up to this point in Jesus' ministry, nobody displayed this kind of faith. And Jesus says so. Look at verse number uh, 10. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to them that followed, Truly I say unto you, I have not found so great a faith, no, not in Israel. So you're wondering, why is this such a great faith? Because Jesus, he always came up to people and healed them personally. He came up to people and he touched them. He came up to people and he maybe put, um, he put dirt or mud on their eyes to heal them of their blindness. He, always, he, always, he was always very close proximity to someone when he was healing a person. But when he says to this, uh, he says to this centurion, I will come to your house and heal your servant. The centurion says to him, no, 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 no. I have so much faith in you. I have faith in you. You don't even need to come to my house. I don't know how far he lived from uh, from the centurion. I don't know how far the centurion lived from Jesus in Capernaum. But from that distance, the centurion said, I have faith that you can, just, just your words, can heal my servant. And so Jesus responds by saying, Not in all of Israel have I found someone who has this much faith. And he continues. And I say unto you, that many shall come from the east and the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Now this is where it gets kind of confusing. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So Jesus marvels at the faith of the centurion, but then he makes a statement that at, at, at first glance, it seems kind of judgmental and kind of hard to understand. So he says, he says to them, there'll be many from the east and from uh, the west who will be entered into the kingdom of heaven and will sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and they will sit in the kingdom of heaven with me. And there will be many from uh, the children of the kingdom. That would be the people of Israel, the, the Jews. There'll be many from the children of Israel who will be cast out. They'll be cast out in outer darkness with those gnashing and wailing of teeth. No, wailing and gnashing of teeth, sorry about that. So why does he say this? What does he mean? What does he mean that the, the children from the east and the west, they'll sit down with the, the king, in the kingdom of heaven, they'll, they'll eat with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but then the Jews themselves, they would not be uh, entered into the kingdom of heaven. Why? Why? What is the point that Jesus is trying to make? Jesus is trying to make this point. He's saying that those from the east and the west, they had faith. They trusted Jesus. They had faith, just like the centurion did. But many of the Jews themselves, they looked at Jesus, and they didn't have faith. So what's he saying? So there's many people who are Gentile who will come to Jesus through faith. But many who are Jew, uh, they will also come to faith, but they don't believe. What's he saying? That salvation has nothing to do with your ethnicity. Salvation has nothing to do with any uh, outward thing. It has nothing to do with your nationality. It has everything to do with faith. That's the common denominator, is faith. Gentiles would sit down with Jews in heaven. Then he says, many children of the kingdom would be cast out. Jesus is talking about, he didn't care about who the person was that he healed or saved. He cared about the faith of the person he healed or saved. Jew or Gentile, it didn't matter to him. Did they have trust and confidence that he could heal them and save them? That is what salvation and healing uh, of Jesus responds to. That's That's what salvation responds to. It responds to faith. Faith is always uh, is always the result. Uh, faith is always salvation and faith are interlocked. They're interlinked. They can't be separated. The salvation is uh, of Jesus is blind to all things but one, faith. That is what brings salvation. Is faith. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter what you have or what you don't have. It doesn't matter your morality, your status, your past, your last name, your politics, or even right or wrong. Only thing that salvation sees is faith. All throughout Scripture, salvation has always been about faith. You see this in the New Testament. Ephesians chapter 2 For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see it in the Old Testament. For what saith the scripture, Abraham believed God and he was counted unto him for righteousness. Even as David also describeth the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without works, saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. All throughout scripture, Old Testament and New Testament, salvation has always been about faith. It's always been about my faith in Jesus Christ, my faith in uh, God. Salvation has always ever been about faith. Old Testament, New Testament, Jew or Gentile, black or white, sinner or saint, guilty or innocent. Faith is the only thing that salvation sees. You know, growing up in church we would, I would see this all the time. I would see people come to trust in Jesus Christ, come to faith in Jesus Christ. And I saw all kinds of people come to faith in Jesus Christ. I saw drug addicts come to faith in Jesus Christ because God saves drug addicts. I saw people who were living horrible lifestyles come to Jesus Christ because people with horrible lifestyles can come to Jesus Christ. I saw pastors come to Jesus Christ because they had been living a lie for so long, but now they had trusted Jesus Christ. Jesus saves even pastors. Jesus saves Catholics. Jesus saves teenagers. Jesus saves ex-cons. Jesus saves saves people who are hardworking. Jesus saves people who are lazy. Jesus saves people who are successful. Jesus, Jesus saves people who are failing. Jesus saves people who are prideful. Jesus saves people who are homosexual. Jesus saves all people because the only thing salvation sees is faith. It's the only thing salvation sees. Only ever has seen. What am I trying to say this morning? That faith changes your destiny. Faith changes my destiny. You look at Matthew chapter 18, or Matthew chapter 8, verse number 13. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. It changes. You see, the, the faith of the centurion changed things. It changed the destiny of people. Because of the centurion's faith, on the spot, right there, with just a few words, Jesus changes someone's destiny. The sick servant was destined to die because of his sickness. You see that? The sick servant, his destiny was to die of palsy. His his sickness was to die as a paralyzed man. But Jesus changed his destiny. Jesus changed the direction of his life. It wasn't just for him either. Jesus can change the destiny of any person who accepts him. Jesus can change our destiny. This is what he wants to do for all humanity. Just as his centurion's servant had a sickness unto death, unto death before Jesus, we had a spiritual sickness unto death, and Jesus healed that sickness. But with a, simple, with a simple declaration of faith, Jesus can give us salvation. Jesus can save us. He can change our destiny. Look at John chapter 14. He says this very clearly. In my Father's house are many mansions if it were not so, I would have told you. Why are there many mansions? I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there, you may be also. He's preparing these houses. He's preparing these homes. He's preparing these mansions so that people, when they turn away from uh, the life they were living to faith in Jesus Christ, that home, that mansion is the new destination for that person. Jesus changes your destiny. You see, we were destined to death and darkness, but Jesus broke the the chains of uh, faith. He broke uh, the chains of faith. He released death's grip on our soul, so that we now have uh, salvation in Jesus Christ. Faith is the deed to a home in heaven. There was a mountain separating us from God, but Jesus came, and He didn't just remove that mountain; He destroyed that mountain. Uh, when, growing up, we used to live in Portland, and, and there was this—there was this. Um, there, there's Portland, the city of Portland. And there's all the suburbs surrounding Portland, you know, all, the, all the different cities sur- surrounding. And there was, um, to get into the, the city of Portland, there was this there was this hill, there's this, not mountain, but there's this very big hill, and they built a, a tunnel going through this hill so that you could get into the city of Portland. I don't know if you've ever been in a tunnel before, or maybe you've been into the, 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 the English Channel where you go under deep underground, and It goes, it's a tunnel all the way so you can go into mainland Europe. Maybe you've been in a tunnel going to, to Malibu, there's some tunnels. Maybe you've been in some tunnel in your life you ever, you ever wonder how they make those tunnels? <clears throat> you, ever, you ever seen someone out there with a shovel trying to dig their way through a mountain? <clears throat> it would take a hundred lifetimes to dig your way through a mountain. If I wanted to go through, uh, the, the, uh, to get to the city of Portland from where I lived, I couldn't take, if I wanted to, if I wanted to build a tunnel to get through, I couldn't, do, I couldn't use a shovel. It would take me a hundred lifetimes. I would need someone to do it for me. I would need someone to explode that mountain, to, to pave a way through that mountain, to, to put some TNT or some explosives, and to, to blow away, blow a hole through that mountain because I could never do it. If it was just up to me to make a tunnel through a mountain, it would take a hundred lifetimes before I was able to do it. There was a mountain of sin separating us from God. Jesus, when he came, he said, you no longer have to work your way through this mountain. You no longer have to dig your way through. You don't have to shovel your way through your sin. I will go through it for you. I will destroy it for you. I will sacrifice my life and blow a hole through the mountain of your sin so that you can have a a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can have a relationship with God. That's what this is telling us this morning, that Jesus changes our destiny. You see, our destiny was to live separated from God. Jesus said, I will change your destiny through faith. That's what this is saying. You see this in John chapter 5, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. You see that, the change of destiny there, from death to life, from darkness to light. The the, the change of destiny that Jesus gives. Faith Faith does what we cannot do. Faith does what our goodness and righteousness cannot do. Faith does what no pastor or priest could do. Faith changes our destiny. But if you're a believer here this morning, I want you to see something that we've overlooked. Look at verse number. Look at verse number 13. This is important. Jesus said unto the centurion, "Go thy way, and as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee." And his servant was healed in the self same hour. You see, faith changes my destiny, but the faith of the centurion changed the destiny of his friend. The centurion, who who was a battle-hardened soldier, who had seen death, who had seen suffering, probably caused death, caused suffering, saw the suffering of his servant, and he cared about it. When he saw his friend in suffering, in faith, he went to the only person who could do something about it. And because of his faith, he changed his friend. What's the point? Your faith can change those around you your faith can change those you love. If you're a parent, your faith can change and build your family. Your faith can change them. If you have a husband, your faith can make a difference in their life. If you have friends who are hurting, your faith can make a difference in their life. Your faith can encourage them. If you have faith, you can change not just yourself, but you can change those around you. If you have a friend at work who's going through a tough time, your faith can change that person. Your faith can change the direction of your life. Your faith can change things because your faith can change destiny. I want to tell you this morning that your faith can change those who don't know Christ. Your faith can lead people to Jesus. How? By sharing it with others. Share your faith story with them. Give someone an invitation to church. Share the gospel with them. You see in Romans chapter 1, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You see, the gospel changes things. Mark chapter 16, Jesus says, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. How do I give the gospel to the world? How do I give the gospel to every creature? By first giving the gospel to the people you know and the people that are in your life. The individuals that you know. The people that you deal with on a daily basis. How do I give the gospel to the world? The same way the centurion did. By starting with the ones he knew. If you want to give the gospel to the world. If you want to give the gospel to your city. First give it to the people that are closest to you. First give it to your co-workers. First give it to your friends. First give it to your neighbors. That is what Jesus is telling us this morning. Is that faith changes your destiny, but your faith also changes the destiny of other people. It can change your neighbor, it can change your friend, change the person at your workplace. That's what it does. If you think you're not qualified, or you don't know enough, you don't have the right personality, or you're not a good enough person, just remember who this faith story is about us and Trinity. If you don't think you're good enough to share your faith with someone, if you don't think you have the right personality, remember this story is about a centurion who was a murderer, who was a killer, who was a battle-hardened soldier. If he can do it, if he can have the faith, just the little faith that it takes to change his destiny and the destiny of his friend, then I think we can as well. Let me give you the story. One night, a house had caught on fire, and he, he, the young boy was, uh, was, was forced to flee to the roof of the house. The, the family had, had already left. For some reason, the boy, he had gotten stuck. He, he climbed up into the roof. The, the house was catching on fire. And the family was at, at the outside of the house, and they, were, they, were, they knew that the boy was missing, and they could, they could see the boy on the roof. The boy couldn't see them. And the, boy, uh, the, the, the father said to the boy, uh, son, you need, to, you need to jump. You need to jump. The fires are too great. You need to jump. I will catch you. You need to jump. And the boy said, I can't jump because I can't see you. The flames in, in the smoke and everything in the fumes, I can't see you. The father said, jump, I will catch you. And the father replied, it doesn't matter if you can see me, I can see you. And that's all that matters. And the boy jumped. See, see that, 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 that's what faith is. It's, it's, it's not blind. It's not you can't hear it. It's just trust. Faith changes things. That, that's, that, that step of faith that that boy took to jump into the arms of his father is what Jesus did for the world. It's what the centurion did for his servant. And it's what we can do for the people in our life. We have that power, the faith, to change someone's destiny.